these days on social media, especially engendered by the lockdown all over the world, in the last six months, everybody, in the last six months, everybody has been in a situation where the reliance on social media has been extreme. People are doing one challenge or the other. And even our own there, Reverend Chichi has a challenge of our own 200 kilometers walk and reading the Bible 10 chapters a day. All this is great. So today I'm introducing a new challenge and that challenge is hashtag embracing the prayer challenge. Going up from when I left up initially and I said, what is prayer? Prayer, basically, whatever definition you give, and there are myriad of them, it can be it can be worship, petition, request, intercession, consecration, confession, thanksgiving, whatever it constitutes in your definition. One thing we can all agree with is that prayer is communion with God. Prayer is communion with God, and basically, it is a fulfilling, a deep, an enrapturing fellowship with God. That encapsulates every definition of prayer you can come up with. And I told them that today, I'm not specifically teaching about the particular concept of, of the technicalities of prayer. I'm much more trying to encourage and pull us into becoming people who pray. There's too much talk out there and little action. I'm here to preach, to persuade, to prevail passionately upon us to persistently practice and participate in prayer. What am I talking about? I said, why should prayer take prime consideration in our lives? I explained that of primacy is prayer from the early church. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, 43, the Bible says, the disciples or the people who were getting born again were a large number and they continued steadfastly. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. These were the four cardinal activities of the early church. Prayer, therefore, is a fulcrum, a pillar, a bulwark of the Christian life. It is a foundational imperative, which means it's not an option. You can't say, well, I want chicken or cheese, or I want beef or chicken. No, prayer is not a negotiable, it's a non-negotiable. It's a sign qua non to live in the Christian life. Prayer. Number two, prayer is the arena in which fellowship with God takes place. People describe it in different ways. Some people say, well, I'm just spending time with God. What are you doing? Oh, I'm just worshiping God. You ask some people, what are you doing? I'm seeking the face of the Lord. You ask another question, you say, no, I'm waiting on the Lord. All these describe nothing else but various aspects of prayer. In other words, prayer is equal or boils down in one form or the other to fellowship with God. It is the arena in which communion or communication with God takes place. Look at what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. It says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, what we call the benediction, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us unpack that verse and see. 
It says the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because in that verse is the complete redemption plan of God revealed in prayer. What am I talking about? It says the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. This speaks of Jesus' death on the cross, obtaining non-meritorious redemption for us. The Bible says in Ephesians 1.7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. So prayer is communion. That place is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's part of prayer. Then now goes on, he says, the love of God the Father. This speaks of God sending his son to purchase our redemption. John chapter 3, 16 to 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that everyone who believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. He says in verse 17, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Now we see redemption revealed and packaged in prayer again there. What is the next one? He says, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. What does this speak of? The fellowship of the Holy Spirit speaks of the ever-abiding presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of the New Testament believer. Reverend Akuna made mention of this and alluded to this yesterday. When she talked about it in John 14, 16 to 17, he says, I will pray the Father, and he will send you another comforter, that he may abide with you temporarily. No, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. That's the fellowship. So, so 2 Corinthians 13, 14 reveals redemption plan in prayer because he says, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Therefore, the place of communion is a place where you get exposed to and taught and transformed about the truth of God. Reverend Charles alluded to this yesterday when he was talking about the truth being a person. The place where you are exposed to the person of Jesus the character and the image and the very person of God is in the place of communion. Prayer thus becomes of primal importance in our existence as believers. It's a non-negotiable. John 16 verse 12, he says, I still have much to tell you, but you cannot bear it yet. However, when the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own, but he will speak what he hears. He will take what is mine and show it to you. Hallelujah. That's communion. First John 1, 3. He says that that which we have heard and seen, we give unto you, that you may also have fellowship with us. For our fellowship is with the Father and with his son Jesus. This fellowship that is being talked about is encapsulated, it's revealed, it is expressed, it is maximized in the place of prayer. It's not a technical term. Many of us view it simply technically. Oh, we're in fellowship with God. It's a spiritual word. Yes, I know. We have been baptized into Christ and we're in fellowship with him. But to give agency to the concept of fellowship, you participate in the place of prayers, in the place of intimate fellowship and communion, which is the place of prayer for the believer. 1 Corinthians 1 9, he says, God is faithful by whom also you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. So when we talk about prayer, remember we're talking about hashtag pray. 
when we talk about prayer, when was the best time to learn how to pray? I submit to you that the best time to have learned how to pray was before you needed to pray. And the next best time, in case you missed the boat the first time, is now. Let me say that again. The best time to learn how to pray was before you ever needed to pray. Because by the time you need to pray and you don't know how to pray, it is too late. So the next best time to learn is now. As we speak under the sound of my voice in this great conference that has been made available to us by our leaders, Reverend Talks and Reverend Akuma Dejuma, under the leadership of Reverend, Reverend W. Hagen and his lovely wife, Pastor Lynette Hagen, through this platform that has been given, I'm once again presenting to us an opportunity to get in with the practice of prayer. This is the best time to pray. Are you experiencing illness or irreparable loss? Pray. King Hezekiah was at a point of illness, terminal illness. Isaiah 38, 1 to 2. The Bible says the prophet Isaiah visited Hezekiah and said to him, Prepare your household and get your things in order because you are surely going to die and you will not get well. Verse 2, Hezekiah turned his face to the world and prayed to the Lord. Are you experiencing a similar situation? Illness, sickness, disease, irreparable loss, despondency? Pray. This is the best time, not tomorrow, not when you feel better. Look at what the Bible says in the New Testament. The Bible says in Acts 16.25, it says, And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises of the God unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Are you experiencing a midnight hour in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your business, in your finances, in your ministry? Do you have that midnight hour? Do like Paul and Silas did. The Bible says, at midnight, they prayed and sang praises to God. Hallelujah. Hashtag pray. I'm not here to talk about the technicalities of prayer. I'm trying to jack us out of slumber and say, let us get with the practice of praying. Are you expressing restrict? Are you experiencing restrictions to your freedoms? Do you feel stuck and disempowered? Most of us are feeling that way because our freedoms all over the world have been severely restricted by the draconian measures to curtail the pandemic. We can't even gather to worship in church the way we normally used to. So we're feeling hemmed in. What does the Bible say? Peter felt hemmed in sometime like that in his life. In Acts chapter 12, verse 1 to 5, Herod had already taken, Herod had taken James and the brother of John and he had put him to death. It pleased the Jews, so he got a hold of Peter, and he was going to present him also and do the same. What did the Bible say? The Bible says that when Herod had Peter arrested, he had four squads of soldiers to guard him, and was intending to bring him to the people. But the Bible says in verse 5, he says Peter was kept in prison, but the church prayed fervently for Peter. Are you feeling trapped, bound, heavy, underguarded, unable to move, restricted in any way? Pray. If there is any time to pay attention to praying, it is now. Just like walking in the spirit. Just like walking in faith. 
just like working in the supernatural. Now is as good as any other time to be given to a life of prayer and to actually know how to pray. If there was ever a time to walk by faith, it's now. If there was any time to walk by the supernatural, it's now. If there was any time to be led of the spirit and to be sure of what you are doing, is now. Likewise, if there is any time to be given to prayer, it is now. To pray is to fellowship. It means two fellows in one sheep. It connotes propinquity. It connotes relationship. The word used in the New Testament is the word koinonia, which means a mingling. Hallelujah. A mingling. A pouring one into another. A bearing of souls. An intermingling. It refers to a place of openness. A place of transparency. A safe harbor. A no hold bad open line of communication with the Father of Spirits. Look at what the Bible says in Hebrews 4.16. It says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The word boldly there says, let's come boldly. The word boldly there is the Greek word paresia. Paresia which means to speak one's mind without holding anything back, to express yourself honestly. To, it, it describes straightforwardness, candor, openness, frankness. This connotes the confidence of a son, the alacrity and the sagacity with which a child will step into his father's privacy and declare himself to a father that he loves. Openness, no barriers to relationship. That is fellowship, that is koinonia, and that is what undergirds prayer. Hallelujah. Prayer is the place of open and unrestrained intimacy with God. If you are not praying, you are not intimate with God. It doesn't matter what you use to justify your lack of prayer, there is no intimacy there. Hallelujah. You don't know anything about prayer until you begin to pray. Don't be deceived. It is not enough to know about prayer. You must become a prayer. Someone who prays. It's not enough to know about prayer. There are depths. There are realms that are revealed and reserved only for those who participate earnestly in this thing called prayer. There are areas that are revealed only for those who carry long in it and give themselves over to prayer. Brother Hagin, the founder of this ministry, he said something. He says, prayer is a walk with God. You can minister to the Lord as a group, but you will never experience the intimacy that you can have with the Lord except you are doing it in your own individual life. The lockdown has put a test on people's intimacy. You can't gather in church and raise hands together and dance and clap. What are you doing in the privacy of your own house? Do you have that vital, that viral, that viable, that aliveness relationship with God of intimacy and straightforwardness? That is the prayer I'm talking about. That is the area, that is the challenge I'm putting before us today that it is enough, especially we want people. We word of faith people, we talk the word, we talk faith, but many people do not want to get 
into the nitty-gritty of doing the hard work of getting in a place of prayer. There are depths of supernatural experiences you can only tap into in the place of prayer. I'm not talking about seeking the spectacular. Brother Hagin says, if you chase after the spectacular, you might miss the supernatural which is right in front of you. No, I'm talking about the supernatural. There are depths of the supernatural you will never even, you will never see as a believer if you are not given energetically to prayer. What am I talking about? I'm talking about a lifestyle that is energized by intimacy with God. There are things you will never tap into. Let me give you an example. Acts 13, 1 to 2. The Bible says now in Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, and it lists their names. Barnabas, Simeon, that was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manain, who had been brought up with Herod the Patriarch, and Saul. Verse 2. As they ministered unto the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, hey, only in the place of prayer do you get such Holy Spirit said. When was the last time God told you something? When was the last time you woke up and you heard him say, God said? When was the last time you heard an instruction from the Holy Ghost because you are intimate with him and you are in conversation with him? Hallelujah. Learn from the life of Jesus. We assume that Jesus walked in power. Many people have done mistake that Jesus walked in power simply because he was the son of God, he was the creator of the universe, and he has all power he can do and undo. I submit to you with respect that he couldn't be farther from the truth. What happened? Jesus Christ was God, yes, we know, but he gave it up. He became a man in the hypostatic union, in the perfect union of man and God. He gave up his divinity to become a man. It is a concept in the scriptures which we call kenosis. And the kenosis narrative can be found in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 11. He says, let this mind, Philippians 2, 5, 11, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant and coming in the likeness of men. He being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the humiliating death on the cross. Therefore, hallelujah, therefore, God has so mightily exalted him and given him a name that is above every name that are, uh, of things on earth, on things above the earth, and things under the earth, that are that every tongue should confess at the name of Jesus, that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is the kenosis narrative. So Jesus emptied himself of his divinity. So when he walked on earth, he walked as a man, and he walked in the supernatural because he walked with intimacy with God. Learn from Jesus. He was given to prayer. Look at what the Bible says about him. Jesus was not, you know, he prayed inordinately. He prayed excessively. He prayed incredibly a lot. No wonder his life was so energized and full of the supernatural. Being given to prayer allows you to tap into the wellsprings of power. Luke 5.16 
The Bible says, but Jesus often withdrew himself to a lonely place to pray. Many people are complaining. We can visit friends. Why do you need to visit anybody? Jesus often, many times, repeatedly departed to a solitary place to pray. Hallelujah. Luke 3.21 the Bible says when all the people were being baptized by John, Jesus himself was baptized and he was praying heaven opened. I told you, only in the place of prayer will you experience some depths of the supernatural. Other people, and I've been a pastor for so many years, you baptize them, they go <laughs> as if you are giving them water torture. Jesus was baptized, he was praying. Jesus was praying and there was an open vision. A voice came. There was a cloud there and the voice came. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. There are experiences I've seen in prayer that are frightening, that are fantastic and are fantastic to be described. Your Christian life will be ordinary. Disenergize until you tap into the depths of prayer. Matthew 14, 23. After he sent the crowds away, talking about Jesus, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray for money. And the Bible says when it was evening, he was there alone. Why are you so scared of being alone? When you've got the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and an innumerable company of angels, you have a koinonia. How can you be bored of prayer? Mark 6, 46. After bidding them farewell, he went to the mountain to pray. Luke 6, 12. It was at this time that Jesus went off to the mountain to pray. And he spent what? The whole night in prayer. Some of you will never pray the whole night except we organize a night video. Why? Look at Jesus. No wonder the man was an embodiment of the supernatural. He prayed so much. He, there was no distinction between land and water. He was just praying and just kept walking. And walked on the water and overtook a boat in the middle of a storm. Hallelujah. What a man, the man of Galilee. Praise God. Come on. Hashtag pray. This rubbed off on the apostles as well. Because before, during, and after great seasons of supernatural ministry, Jesus seemed to always withdraw to spend copious times in prayer. He made a habit of it. He was more of a prayer than somebody who prayed. So he didn't just pray. He had become the embodiment of prayer. You could call him a prayer. Look at the apostles. It rubbed up on them as I move on quickly. Mark 9, verse 2 to 6. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him, and they went up to a high mountain where they were all alone. In prayer, what happened? I told you in the place of prayer, you find strange manifestations of the supernatural. The Bible says Jesus was transfigured before them. <laughs> and there appeared unto him Elijah and Moses talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Teacher, it is good to be here. Let us 
for you. I mean, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. The Bible says he did not know what to say because he was so frightened by the supernatural. There are some things you will contact in prayer. You, you, your heart will take a beat because this is too massive. There are times we've been praying and the Lord will open our eyes and you peep like over a wall. You see angels. You see supernatural. You see great and mighty things. It rubbed up from them. Look at Paul the Apostle. He had a similar experience. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 to 2. He says, I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to gain, I will go on to the visions and revelations I've had from the Lord. Because I knew a man 14 years ago that was caught up to the third heaven. When was the last time you were caught up to any heaven? You've got to jack up the prayer by a notch. You've got to crank up the prayer machine. Hallelujah. He was cut up. And he saw, the Bible says, he saw great and mighty things that the mouth cannot describe. Acts 16 verse 7. Let's move along. The Bible says, they were going on a missionary journey. When they came to the border of Mishia, they tried to enter Bethlehem. But the spirit of Jesus will not allow them. They passed by Mishia and went to Troas. During the night, somebody said, During the night, during the night, these things happen, they seem to happen all the time at night when other people are sleeping carelessly and you are giving time to the Lord. During the night, Paul had a vision from a man of Macedonia that says, Come over to Macedonia and help us. There are depths in the place of prayer. Let's talk about Peter, it's rubbed up on him. Remember, Peter was a crude, rough fisherman. But after spending three and a half years with Jesus, he learned the prayer principle. Then what happened? Acts 10, chapter 9 to 12. The next day, as they were going on their journey near the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He departed. He detached himself from human company. Come on. A little detachment will save you a lot of heartache. Detach and go find yourself a space to pray. I'm all for fellowship. Praise God. I love fellowship. And I've been in fellowship with my leaders and people in Rama. I've been in fellowship with people for 30 years and more. And it's great. We spend a lot of time together. But we all know when it's time to depart, we depart. Each man departs to his corner of the mountain to pray. Hallelujah. What happened? The Bible says, after praying for a while, he was hungry. You must have been praying for a long time to become hungry. What happened? He fell into a trance. When was the last time you entered a trance and saw things in the spirit? Give yourself to prayer. Hashtag pray. Let's embrace the prayer challenge. He saw a vision. And that led to a big miracle in the place. In my own life without count, I have experienced these things in prayer repeatedly and also in the lives of the leaders that I submit to. Reverend Talks, our national director, he has entered into depth in prayer. Few men have entered. When you spend 18 hours in prayer and you begin to see things in the spirit, not because your blood sugar is low, no, but because you have tapped into something supernatural. Come on. I've 
seen things in the place of prayer. I was praying in Lagos and I saw my wife, I saw her name. I wrote it down before I ever met her. In the place of prayer. Bible school. At times you pray, you just see things that are going to happen. You don't know whether, I, I, I'm not prophet. Praise God. You just see things concerning your personal life in the place of prayer. You avoid danger. Because you are conscious. There's a consciousness around you of the Holy Spirit. You are immersed and infused with a Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. There are certain things, decisions we took in our ministry and in our business. Started from the middle of last year. When, when the pandemic hit and I'm like, oh my God. Why did we start converting our business platform into a digitalized platform? We were pouring money at the thing, investing heavily in media infrastructure. We didn't even know there was a pandemic. Look at Rema, Nigeria. Because of the power of prayer, when the lockdown came, the ministry did not skip a beat. People immediately continued studying because it was possible already, obviously with permission from, from Pastor Hagee, for that to happen. The ministry was able to survive because people had tapped into the supernatural in prayer. Hallelujah. There are certain adjectives that we run along, I'll be finishing soon. Certain adjectives. Hallelujah. Just follow me with time. Certain adjectives are used to describe prayer in scriptures that are only understood by people who give themselves to prayer. Acts chapter 12, verse 4 to 7. The Bible says they arrested Peter. And the Bible says what? It says, but fervent prayer was being made for him. <laughs> the Bible did not just say they were praying for him or they said a prayer. It says prayer was being made. Hallelujah. It means it was being cooked. It was being fashioned. It was being created and organized. It's only people who know what it means to pray that understand such adjectives. Contrast it. Contrast. That is contrast in the negative with what Jesus said about pagans and the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 6 verse 7. 5 to 7. He says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand in the synagogues on the corners of the streets that may be seen by men. He says, but you, when you pray, go into your closets, that your father who sees in secrets should reward you openly. He says, do not use vain repetitions for the people think they will be heard through their much speaking. The believer who knows his place in prayer can skillfully execute the principles of prayer. Look at James 5.16 and we'll be ending on that Lynchpin scripture later. He says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you might be healed. For the effectual, the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I like the amplifier. He says, it makes much power available, dynamic in its working. Let me rush along. My time is going. Prayer is both a science and an art. What do I mean? Prayer is a science because it is precise on the one hand and has got rules, regulations, and principles. And that's good. We have many books in Rama Fed Library, but publications 
has many books on prayer, how to pray, steps to answer prayer, prevailing prayer to peace, praying to get results. All these books are available at the Rema Bookshop and you can get them. They are available through Rema Nigeria. Just pop us an email, pop up something, put something in a social media platform. Somebody will reach out to you and get these books onto you. You can learn them also in Bible school or you can join us every day from 12 to 1 p.m. on Healing School and uh, on, 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 on Wednesdays, you can join us on Prayer School, which is available there. In RemaNigeria.com, all the information is available there. So, so prayer is a science which you can learn. But, listen to me, listen clearly, beyond the prayer, beyond the prayer that is a science, prayer itself is an art. Hey, what do we mean by prayer is an art? The science speaks to the rules and regulations. The art speaks to the nuances and the animation of the rules. Anyone who knows, anyone can learn the rules of basketball. It's easy to know. You must put the ball into the net. But only somebody, it takes a special type of thing to see the beauty of Michael Jordan as he takes the ball and practically levitates and puts it in the basket. There's no rules for that. It is an art. Anybody can learn to hit a tennis ball, but you need to watch Roger Federer as he weaves and whacks and as he deals deftly with the tennis ball. It is a thing of beauty to behold, and you will know this is not just knowing how to play tennis. There is an art to it. There is an art to prayer. Brother Hagin has a book called The Art of Prayer. Get it. What do I mean by the art? There is something that defies logic about those who know how to pray. Those who have lived close or spent close moments with Brother Hagin describe seeing him in prayer. It is a beauty to behold. His posture, his, his approach, his, his rapport and his rapport. The way he approaches and sees himself in prayer, the communication with God the Father, it is a thing of beauty to behold. I've had the privilege of seeing Mrs. Lynette Hagin pray in Winter Bible Seminar. It is a thing of beauty to behold. You can see that this woman has been with God. I've seen Pastor Hagin move, weave, and walk through the healing line in Abuja. And in Tulsa, it's a thing of beauty to behold the way he prays. You can see this man has been with Jesus. It's not just about rules and regulations. They have spent time. They have an acquaintance. They have a familiarity with God that can be learned from books. Hallelujah. Until you begin to delve into prayer, before you begin to experience these things, they will remain only stories to you. When he tells you that we spend 10 hours, 12 hours, 15 hours, or Pastor Cox tells you he spent 18 hours, 3 days continuously in prayer, you will see them as stories that are unbelievable because you are unable to stay 30 minutes in prayer. Hashtag pray. Hallelujah. Not they should go back without which you commit a significant portion of it to prayer. Brother Hagin says, give a tithe of your day to prayer, 2.4 hours only. Let me say this as I move along. Prayer, how am I doing with time? Hallelujah. Let me just know about time, praise God. Prayer 
is the stove inside which the burning embers of a vibrant Christian life is kindled and under which its flames are stoked. Let me say that again. Prayer is the stove inside which the burning embers of a vibrant Christian life is kindled and under which its flames are stoked. I've got a few minutes and I'll wrap up. As a medical doctor, we train people in medicine. How do we train them? We train them by rote and we train them by practice. If you are a surgeon, no matter how intelligent you are and you're able to memorize and describe a medical procedure, you are not considered a surgeon until you can get the knife and cut. Until you can get the knife and cut, you are not a surgeon. Surgery is like prayer. Hallelujah. I spent about 30 minutes. We have a few more minutes to go. Praise God. Surgery is like prayer. It is deep. It is personal. It is engaging. It's encapsulating. It is riveting. You must take the knife and cut before you are a surgeon. You may be able to describe beautifully to those who are listening to you a procedure and the complexities of doing an osteoadontokeratoprosthesis. It sounds nice. <laughs> osteoadontokeratoprosthesis. And you describe it and everybody loves it. But until you take the knife and cut, you are not a surgeon. It's the same thing in prayer. You can come and tell us about the 10 steps to answer prayer. But have you spent a moment in prayer yourself? It is a doing game. It's not the same game. You can sense someone who prays. You can distinguish it from somebody who does not. Those who pray have a genuine sense around them. They have a serenity. Hallelujah. Have you seen Brad talks recently? He has a peace. There's a serenity. A gentle confidence. An unperturbedness. Despite present danger or turmoil. They don't seem perturbed. A resoluteness. A staggering faith for the impossible. People who pray, they just seem to have these characteristics. They have, they have deep compassion. They are not easily angered. They control their tongue. They are strong spiritually. They are agile. They have a sense of aliveness around them. They are on fire. And you can sense it. It is contagious. People who don't pray, oh my God, they are spiritually cold. They are dull, drab. They have no joy constantly. Morose. They look out of place. They are unnecessarily loud, loquacious where they should not be. They are loose with the things of God and handle the things of God with levity. They are lazy spiritual. They are lax, lascivious, loquacious, lackadaisical with the things of God. Stay away from such people. They will drag you down. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 13, it says, be not deceived. Evil communication corrupts good manners. You can sense people who pray. They are on fire. Apostle Paul understood this. That's why he said in Ephesians 5, 17 to 19, he says, therefore, do not be foolish. But understanding what the will of God is, do not be drunk with wine wherein there is excess, but be, be filled with the Holy Ghost. 
and speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your hearts to the Lord. Hallelujah. A person who prays is full of joy. They're always bubbly. They're strong in the spirit because prayer overflows from within them into rivers of living water. Jude 20, it says, and 21, but you, beloved, building up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourself in the love of God. Keep yourself in the love of God. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Oh, praise God. Time is fast spent. I'm almost done, I promise you. Prayer must be taught, but it must also be caught. In other words, you must learn how to pray, but it must also be modeled. Jesus was an example. He modeled prayer. Luke 11, 1. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, his disciples came and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Uh-uh. In my local South African speech, we will say, Funda. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Look at what he says. Let me say this. If I say nothing else, listen to this one. Hallelujah. Don't touch that dial. Praise God. Amen. Jesus not only taught them prayer, he modeled prayer unto them. Some people say they are word people. They say they are spirit people. They say they are faith people. But they are not given to prayer. Listen to me. Some people say they are word people. They are faith people. They are the spirit people. But they are not given to prayer. No, 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 no. They are not one of us. Where did they get that? We know who our leaders are. They are people of prayer. We know who our leaders are. They taught us prayer. They modeled prayer to us. So if you don't pray, whose DNA are you? How can you be a Rema person and you don't pray? Where did you get it from? How? Is it Brother Hagin that doesn't pray or Pastor Hagin? Where? You may buy the t-shirts. You may display the books on your shelves. You may even attend one of the Bible schools and attend the conferences. But until you practice what is being preached, you are not walking in the light. Brother Hagin, he prays. Pastor Hagin prays. Reverend Tolks prays. Reverend Akuna prays. Our leaders in Africa, in Europe, Middle East, Asia, Australia, the USA. They are men and women of prayer and the world. They are men who walk in faith. They are men who walk in the spirit. They are men and women who walk in unwavering faith and passion. Where then did you get this prayerless, faithless, spiritless, passionless lifestyle? Where did you get it from? It can't be of God. We need to repent, people of God. Let's make amends and turn back to the things which we have left off so that we can recover the lost ground. Reverend Jordanic said recently in a conference, he said we must be fast and fearless. Hallelujah. We must be furious about it. For you to display the characteristics of the modus vivendi of an effectual spiritual life, you must adopt the modus operandi of a rich prayer life. 
be ending on that point. I told you we'll be coming back to James chapter 5 verse 16, which is where I'll be ending. You must embrace the modus vivendi. The Bible says, in the Amplified, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. For the earnest, the heartfelt, continuous prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. So in conclusion, from that verse, an effective prayer life must be word-based. 1 John 5, 14. Now is the confidence we have in him that we, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, we have our petitions of him. What is his will? His will is his word. Brother Hagin always says it. The secret of prayer. Prayer is only successful when it is based on the word of God. Prayer, number two principle, must have time invested. Not by vain jangling, no. But by giving quality relationship time. Luke chapter 20, verse 46 to 47. Beware of the scribes. They like to walk in long robes and long greetings in the marketplace. They defraud widows of their households and for a show they make lengthy prayers. No, 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 no. When you spend time in private in prayer, you don't have to make a show in public. Some people will binge a series, series one to ten, but they can't spend an hour in prayer. I remember the movie uh, Lord of the Rings. I, every time I tried to watch it, I fell asleep. It was too long. People will watch the whole thing, but to pray 30 minutes, it's too much. Prayer must be faith-filled. James 1, 6 to 8. He says, when you ask, you must believe and not have doubt, because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea, tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything of the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and it's unstable in all they do. Prayer must be passionate. It must be fervent. The word fervent is the word burning with a sense of urgency and persistence. Zeal, intensity. You must burn with fire. Hallelujah. And finally, righteousness. Because it says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. What does that mean? It means a man who is working in the understanding of his position in Christ and understanding of new creation realities will prevent the devil from robbing you of your place and confidence before the Lord. Brother Cox has a book like that on the new creation realities. Get it from RamanNigeria.com. Some Corinthians 5.21 He made him who knew no sin to be seen for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Therefore we can stand boldly before God in prayers. And finally, it makes much power available. Ephesians 3.20 Now unto him who is able to do so much more then we can ask or imagine according to the power which is at work within us to him be the glory forever throughout the generations. Private quality time with God results in short public fantastic experiences. Look at Jesus. He never prayed long. He saw a dumb person. The Bible says he touched the tongue and he says, a factor, be open. Period. He didn't say, Lord, Father, you see, come. Hey. No, 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 no. He had done the job in private. It was simply time to say in John 11 42, Lazarus, come forth. Ladies and gentlemen, the ball is in your court. 
Jesus is asking, will you join me in prayer? Can you tarry with me an hour in prayer? Let me stop here today as I encourage us to pick up the prayer challenge. Hashtag pray. Wherever you may be watching from, whatever platform you may be watching from, Put down your pen wherever you are. Lift up your hands to Jesus. And let us pray. Let us pray. Two types of prayer especially for the New Testament believer. Praying in other tongues and praying the Pauline prayers. That's for another session entirely. Don't forget Attend prayer school, remanigeria.com, all our social media handles, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. You can join us in the prayer school. Let us pray. Thank you, Father, because the entrance of your word giveth light. And it brings understanding to the simple. Thank you, Father, because I believe our heartstrings have been pulled and we have been encouraged to go back to discover the ground wells of prayer with you, that we might give ourselves to prayer. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for this conference. Thank you for the souls. If you're watching under the sound of this voice, wherever you may be, you are not, and you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, you do not pray in other tongues. Get in touch with us, drop a note, ramanigeria.com. Put a note down Facebook. Put a note there on YouTube. Somebody will get in touch with you and pray with you. Wherever you are, all over the globe, somebody will get in touch with you and pray with you. Drop us a note on RemaNigeria.com. Facebook slash RemaNigeria. YouTube slash RemaNigeria. Our counselors are waiting to pray with you and to minister to you. If you are seeking your body, be healed in the name of Jesus. 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 Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. If you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, you want to be born again. Your family doesn't love the Lord Jesus, call them. Bring them forth. They want to know the Lord. Say this after me. Dear Father, dear Father, I come to you just as I am. I believe Jesus died for my sins. I receive him in my heart today. Forgive me my sins, Lord. I commit my life to you. Come into my heart. Make me a new creature. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name.